Hello, FPL managers. Welcome to the FPL Optimized Podcast. This is episode number 56, in which we will review game week four, and we will also cover some questions we received. We won't cover all the game week five data yet, as we're in an international break now. So we'll save some of the content for next week's podcast to look at all the latest data. But that won't make today's episode less interesting as we received some interesting questions from several listeners. Thanks for that. I am Bas, the casual manager, and my co-host is Sirtop, the data scientist. This is the podcast in which we combine analytics with the good old eye test. Data or grass or data and grass? That's the question. Sirtop, let's quickly look at game week four. How did it go for you? <laughs> like every game week, the same story, but... So, game week four is another terrible game week for me. 6.5 million game week rank, and okay. my whole rank is down to 3.2 million. I mean, ranks yeah. hardly matter, of course, especially at this point. Uh, like, the point difference is much more important. But it is annoying to have a relatively good game week and then immediately have a terrible game week. So, I'm a yeah. little bit upset as usual. Yeah. 68 points didn't feel like a terrible game week when I was mm -hmm. having it, but I think Holland's points inflated everyone's points. So if right. some people didn't have Holland in their team, their ranks probably got destroyed. Um, yeah. But yeah, regarding my team, um, again, my differential players blanked. Um, and like Pickford, Henry, Chilwell, Richardson, Jackson, they all got one point. Yeah. Um, it's incredibly frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just glad I didn't try to be smart with the captains as I usually do. That's the only good yeah, thing about this game week. How, how was I yours? was happy about that as well, yeah. That would have <laughs> been terrible if you didn't captain Haaland and then you see him sco scoring a hat-trick. Yeah. You know, we still know the feeling from Flashbacks from the last. Uh, flashbacks. <laughs> so I'm glad I avoided it. But, uh, well, maybe some people are Captain Son or maybe Ferguson as well. There were three hat-tricks on Saturday. That was also quite uh, unusual. Yeah, and we, uh, we had Son in our uh, optimal wildcard team, if right. I remember correctly. Yeah. yeah, indeed. And I remember that I said that that was a bit strange. But yes, of course, I think, yeah, you know, we looked at the previous three game weeks, and now in game week four, he was playing in the number nine spot. And we see a lot of people talking about that now, because if Son keeps that spot, of course, yeah, he could be... Uh, target to bring in mm -hmm. uh, especially as uh, Spurs have a have a good fixture I think it's against Sheffield in game week five um, so I think yeah uh, he already increased in price and uh, yeah. probably even, even more people will bring him in during the international break yeah. I think he will be so, popular yeah. Yeah. all right but yeah you had 68 points I had 69 so that's just <laughs> one point more but that's oh. enough Okay. It makes the score 3-1 in our little hat-to-hat -hat competition. So uh, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> you know, I'm just uh, letting you get, you know, ahead a little bit so that, you know, oh, right. it will be more make fun. It, when I make it more it. interesting for yourself. I get it. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's see. But no, to your point, it was a bit strange because also I had the feeling that I was having an okay week. But, well, in the end, with 69, it's below average. The average was 72. So I also lost some rank. I also saw that in our mini leagues. Uh, but yeah, uh, I think also, you know, quite many players 
were returning points. So even in my case, when I saw like Mitoma and Saka and Martinelli, uh, you know, getting assists, I was quite happy. They scored points, but then there were other players like Madison, uh, you know, like a few others like Son who even scored more points. So I think, I think that's a little bit the thing. We also mentioned it last week. There are so many good options. Um, but yeah, you want to be, of course, on the ones scoring the most points, which uh, which which isn't that easy. Um, well, my defense was a disaster, but I think that was the case for many people. Uh, Chelsea, unfortunately, conceded against Forrest. Um you know, they even lost against Forest, which I think many people were not expecting. But as also mentioned in previous podcasts, I think Forest is not the Forest from last season. Uh, they've been playing quite well uh, so far, and they're quite difficult to beat. So I think that's something we should keep in mind also for mm-hmm. future pictures. And then Brighton, that was painful, of course, still conceding in the 93rd minute, if I'm not mistaken. So that was, uh, you know, losing the clean sheet for Estupinen. Yeah, and in midfield, I, I I did hold on in the end to uh, the play, guys like Mitoma, Rashford, Martinelli. I didn't sell them. So in a way, I'm happy because I go into the international break with uh, two free transfers. Mm-hmm. And also, yeah, all three of them uh, return points. So it's not too bad. It's just that I, uh, of course, missed some of the the higher scores again, uh, especially on Spurs players, which who I don't own at the moment, yeah. especially Madison and Son. So that's something I need to focus on. Uh, and in front, yeah, as, as we just said, it showed again why we shouldn't bet against Haaland because, you know, the guy can score hat-tricks in, in any week. You never, you never know which one, but it can happen. Uh, and Jackson was unlucky. I think a lot of people have talked about that as well, uh, the, the opportunity that he missed. Um, well, you can call it unlucky, or you can also maybe say it's lacking some skill. <laughs> but I, uh, I'll still give him the benefit the of the doubt. Debate. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> indeed. But yeah, I should I should mention that as a Liverpool fan, I'm kind of enjoying Chassis' misfortune <laughs> a little bit because of the transfer season. So yeah. I mean, FPL okay. wise, it's terrible for me. But I, I'm yeah. like, okay, I mean. Yeah, and uh, Liverpool did really well against Villa, and we don't yeah. own any of our players. So that's again also something to uh, to keep looking at for future yep. game weeks. So yeah, that sums up a bit our own reviews. Let's see now how the models performed in game week four. Um, what did you make of the data, Sirta? Mm-hmm. Again, as usual, I got this uh, analysis and vis- visualization uh, from Neil Rankin's A on Twitter. Yeah. Um, so, and as usual, we will cover both outcome uh, accuracy and also expected accuracy. And by outcome yeah. accuracy, we are comparing the pre-game week prediction, essentially what models were saying. We are comparing it to how many points the players actually got. And yeah. so we had four game weeks of data now. So, and right now, Fantasy Football Hub has the, has the lowest... Um, error rate meaning that okay. it was the most accurate but again right. the numbers are very close but fantasy football hub is in the first place and then we have Mikael Tokwam's transfer algorithm and then we have FPL review and then fantasy football scout so these four are close to each other in terms of accuracy right. and they yeah. are changing order as you might have noticed um yeah. 
Fantasy Football Fix, Draft Hound, and FBL Team. Uh, it is also visible in this chart if you are watching on YouTube. But their error rate are a little bit higher compared to others, the, the first yeah. four. And based on, based on underlying data, <coughs> Mikael Tokwam is at the first place, and then we have Fantasy Football Hub, and then FBI Review, then Fantasy Football Scout. Then we have Draft Hound, Fantasy Football Fix, and FBL Team in terms of underlying data accuracy. And in this case, we are comparing, again, pre-game week prediction with the expected data. And expected here means, I know it's a little bit confusing because sometimes we use expected point to indicate pre-game week prediction. So mm -hmm. I try to use prediction when I refer to that one. And then expected is the expected goal, expected assist, expected clean sheet, based on how the team actually performed, or the player actually performed, doesn't necessarily mean that it translated into points. Like players like Jackson, for example, is able to get some expected goals so that you you feel like actually your decision was correct because mm -hmm. you know he's getting into positions, he's taking shots from dangerous positions but doesn't translate into FPL points. As you mentioned, it could be because of, you know, you are getting unlucky, or it could be a skill issue too. But, so we are trying to cover both cases. So in terms of outcome, that was the like order of the models and based on the underlying data, uh, this is where we are. Again, numbers are very close. And <clears throat> we were talking about it in the last three weeks, but there's also another way of looking at this data from a game week perspective. And yeah. Neil actually prepared this chart also for us. Um, so, and for people who are listening, so we group players by their position, goalkeepers, defenders, midfielders, and forwards. And we checked how models, uh, how accurate models are for each position. And most of the time, I mean, if there's an error, higher error in a particular position, it is similar for all the models. For example, in game week two, we talked about how the midfielder projections were a, were a little bit off mm -hmm. um, uh, because of the Brighton guys. And then in game week three, defender projections projections were, were a little bit off. And you can yeah. easily actually see it if you see the data. And for game week no. four, it was forwards. And there's a huge error in in this case i mean it is even higher than both game week two and game week three and i'm not sure like when we haven't checked in detail yet but if you check the game week four data fantasy football hubs uh forward error is quite low compared to others and okay. i need to check you know what's uh going on with the data but we try to be careful careful with how we are cleaning this data and how we are representing these numbers. Sure. And finally, um, same analysis for the underlying data. Um, you will notice mm -hmm. that for midfielders and defenders, projections were more off than goalkeepers and forwards. And so then it means that models were actually able to predict that, you know, these players, forward players, will get into positions and they will collect XG, but 
the end of the day, we didn't get the FPL points. And so from that perspective, they were accurate enough to predict that they will get into good positions and they will collect XG. Right. But if you are checking the underlying data, you will quickly realize that midfielder projections were... I mean, they're always problematic. First of all, we have lots of midfielder players, as I have mentioned earlier. And... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's a difficult category to to predict. Yeah, and goalkeepers, as I mentioned before, is the easiest category. You're just trying to predict the clean sheet, obviously, and also bonus points. So it's it's relatively easy compared to other positions. Yeah, or less options to score points, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So unless a goalkeeper scores a goal or gets an assist in the following weeks, probably their rates will. Stayed the same. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that uh, data again. And that actually brings us, I think, to one of the questions we received. It's a question we received from uh, Brun, uh, and he was asking about the ensemble data, uh, as you uh, call it, mm-hmm. uh, because I think uh, you're not relying on just one data source when you do your optimization, but you're kind of making a mix of it. So can you explain again uh, how that works? Yeah, so so ideally, mixing these models usually result in a lower error rate. I mean, you can always find the you know hindsight optimal weights that could have minimized your error, like in general. Um, but it is very difficult because you know just looking at first four game weeks of data, or let, let's say like first three game weeks of data, I could have generated the ideal percentages. It could have minimized the error in first three game weeks. But when mm-hmm. I use it for the game week four, I was going to be way off from the ideal weights. So yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean that the first, you know, the data you have, you know, the ideal weights will translate into the future ideal weights. It is good to know which models are more accurate and which models are more accurate in certain positions. Um, And Bran also asked about that too, like if I'm considering these models success for a position group. I I haven't done it yet, but something we talk very often in the analytic circle is that, for example, for Mikael Tokwam, his midfield projections are usually very good. But okay. he also mentions in his own Patreon page that he is kind of outsourcing defender projections, so they're not as reliable as midfielders and forwards. Because okay. of that, most people who are, like some people, so when they mix Mikael Tokwam's data with FBI reviews projections, they drop yeah. goalkeeper and defender projections from Mikael Tokwam, for example. Okay. Right. I haven't done it yet, but yeah. the way I do it right now is I. Um, actually, out of these seven models, I try to find which ones are the most relevant ones. So I discard some of them if I feel like the error rate is too high. And mm-hmm. among those remaining three or four models, I try to find the ideal weights based on the you know historical data. Okay. And then I then I just try to round it up because you know sometimes the ideal weights are like thirty-seven percent of model A. 23% right. of model B, so I just make it like 30% and 20% maybe. Um, that's how I do it. But when I'm actually optimizing for my own team, 
I usually, well, since I usually make my decisions the last day, right. I try to use the model that has been updated yeah. the latest, usually FBI yeah. review. And yeah. sometimes I use Mikhail Tokwam's data too. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I I have some scout and hub in the mix too. But again, okay. I mean, this this is something that I constantly keep changing. Right. Uh, grouping them or using particular position groups and different weights uh, for every position is a better idea if you have the means to do it. Okay. All right. Yeah. And so the analysis you've been doing this season to look at the model performance, it's something you haven't used yet, you mentioned, but is that then something you plan to use more in, in future as we have more data and more game weeks? Yeah, essentially, yes. So yeah, yeah okay. current percentages are based on, mostly based on that, but also my little bit of my personal bias too. Yeah, I get it. And as you said, some data gets updated more often, eh? like like FBL review, and then you take the latest data on a Friday, for example. Yeah, I mean, especially yeah. it's good because um, one thing that FBL review has that I like, whenever there is a leak, for example, people update that that player's minutes on the okay. tool, and then right. you are able to see the impact of it. Suddenly, that okay. player's expected points goes down, and then he is yeah. no longer optimal, for example. So yeah. those kind of stuff I find really fascinating yeah. Yeah. and very useful. But I mean, realistically speaking, you can kind of do something similar with other data too. I mean, I can solve the problem with, let's say, Mikhail Toklam's data. And if I know that this player um, won't start, so that you can drop the expected minutes by yourself, like you can manually edit it. Or you can right. ban the player if if that's a yeah. players that you were kind of considering to transfer in. So yeah. there are ways to do it, but it's very convenient. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. I think that covers it. Uh, thanks again, Brun, for that question. Uh, let's move to another question. We received one from Nihal, FPL Masala on uh, on X on Twitter. He's asking who the most over and underperforming outfielders are. So based on, I think, then the first four game weeks of data. So do, yeah. did you have a chance to look at that sort of? Do you have a guess before I, I, I share it? Oh, do you have a guess? Oh, I should have prepared for that, I guess. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe we can do it in following game weeks. I don't have a guess. Okay. No. Surprise me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Overperforming outfielders. The, um, so here I used uh, Mikhail Tokwam's prediction data, and I compared FPL points to the per, like predictions. And Rodrigo is the player with the most, like who's overperforming the most, yeah, uh, with almost twelve point zero eight uh, okay. over his expected value. And yeah. in the second rank we have Mubemo, and then March. Bowen and Ward Pros. So these are the top five players who are uh, overperforming their predictions. Uh, yeah, no, no. Just to comment on Rodrigo. Yeah, indeed. I mean, he scored two goals so far. So <laughs> I think that wasn't included in any of the models. Um, I think that there was some some uh, information that you know he has a bit of a different role with uh, Kovacic now in, in in the team that he. 
has a bit more freedom and he can play a bit more attacking. So maybe indeed that's something we should keep in mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, you know, there are many options at uh, at City. So I think Rodrigo is not maybe the one we plan to go for as first option. Even though his price, of course, is also very interesting. Uh, let's check. He's now at 5.7. So yeah, for a City player who uh, so far started all games, uh, that can be quite uh, appealing. Yeah. And I think, uh, yeah, Mabuemo has been, of course, very consistent. He scored a great goal again uh, in, in, in the last game week. Uh, it was quite late in the game. I was looking at the scores and I was like, okay, Mabuemo didn't score. That's good for me because I don't own him. <laughs> and then uh, he scored one. I think he did that before as well. He uh, he doesn't mind to score a late goal. <laughs> so that's good. <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, March, also interesting, huh? because everybody talked about uh, Mitoma or João Pedro. Uh, and in the end, it was March who uh, who scored a few goals. So, uh, yeah. yeah. And yeah, West Ham, I think we talked about them last week. Mm-hmm. The, uh, last, last season, they had a bad season, but this season they started really well. I think they did uh, well in terms of investing the money they received from uh, for, for uh, Rice. Uh, one of the players they bought is Ward Prowse. I think we we knew already that Ward Prowse could be a consistent point scorer. He was already doing that at Southampton, and of course at West Ham, uh, yeah, he could be even better. And he's he is showing that so far. Uh, he is showing that so far. So personally, I think that at some point I will probably own Ward Prowse. <laughs> I might not be the only one, uh, but I definitely want to keep an eye on. All right, that's good. Yeah. Um, and who are the underperformers then? Underperformers. Um, so we have Mac Allister as the okay. uh, top, uh, you know, underperformer. Yeah. In second rank, we have Havertz. Yeah. Then Enzo, Grealish, okay. and Trossard. Yeah. Um, so Mac Allister's case is a little bit interesting because I think game week one, he had a higher expectation. So most of these errors or like underperformance is mostly coming from game week one that yeah. maybe, I'm not sure, but maybe Malol assumed that uh, he might have a penalty duty or something similar. But yeah. anyway, so this is where we are right now. I mean, Havertz is a player that some people owned, so it might be yeah. a little bit upsetting for them. But any comments on these ones? Um, yeah, no, McAllister, of course, also had a red card in one of the games. So that was, I think, a minus two for him. So that might also have contributed to it. Oh, yeah, uh, Howard's interesting because he does get the minutes, but so far, um, you know, it didn't really return much. So don't know what we should think of, it, of that. I think, you know, maybe if he does keep getting the minutes, then the points might come. But, you know, there are there are other options at at, at Arsenal with, with Saka, with Odegaard, uh, also delivering. Same for Martinelli. There are some talks about uh, Jesus uh, being back. You know, he came into the team as a sub last game week, so maybe he will start again next week. So mm-hmm. that would also be interesting. Uh, Enzo Fernandez, yeah, he, lo- he missed a penalty. So I think also that... Uh, had a negative impact on the points. Uh, Graylish missed the last game. And then Trossard. Trossard is interesting because I think at the beginning of the season, I think some people were thinking about having him. But then in the last game, he, did, he didn't even come in as a, as a sub. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure what happened there. But of course, uh, a lot of players now in, in the Arsenal squad. 
um, and apparently Crossart dropped a little bit in uh, in 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 the ranking there. It seems. Yeah, he. I think in total he played around sixty minutes this season, and only got yeah. two points. So yeah, yeah, a little bit disappointing. No. Yeah. Okay, well, those are some great charts. So thanks, uh, Neal, for asking the question. Mm-hmm. Really, uh, really useful. And then, um, yeah, let's move to the next question. And this question was actually a question that came in from different people as uh, because it's international break, you know, people have the wildcard on their mind. Um, typically, it's a good moment to wildcard as it gives you a bit of time to look at the different options. Um, Potentially, you could also benefit from some uh, some price rises during these two two weeks of the the international break. But you know, is this the right time? It's still a little bit early in the season, and if this is not the right time, what is the right time? Is what most people <laughs> are asking. So, do you have any uh, thoughts or any analysis on this? <laughs> so, um, yeah, lots of people ask this question. So, optimal week to wildcard is a little bit complicated as you might know it's both complex and complicated because it depends on your team first of all like where you are with your team and how many changes do you need to get closer to the optimal team sometimes that ending has some benefits which is mainly what people wondered you know when the fixtures will change enough for me to go from let's say like three chelsea defenders to something else right um Again, it's a difficult question for everyone. Optimal wildcard week is different. And I haven't done any analysis on this question yet, to be honest. Because I feel like first wildcard is usually useful. um, You know, because in the first game weeks, we don't know actually how many minutes people, you know, players will play. And you, you are not actually sure which positions they will play. So yeah. after you we get familiar with it, it is actually yeah. ideal to use it if you're in a bad shape. Right. Otherwise, it is better to keep it for an emergency because suddenly you might lose like two, three players, especially now with the like international break. Yeah. I used to think that it is better to use the wildcard during international break. I mean, that was some kind of like a heuristic I used, but I don't... Mm-hmm think that's the only thing that matters i mean it obviously has some advantages but having two free transfers during the international break is good enough in most cases yeah and someone from our analytics discord it is p carol did actually an analysis and generated some visualizations that i want to talk about so this analysis is actually independent of what team you have which you know i like quite a bit and the the way he designed this experiment, he is optimizing for four game weeks before the wildcard and then 12 more weeks after wildcard. So a 16 game week period. Right. And you might be wondering, you know, where, where we got the data. Actually, FPL Kiwi released a season long data. So that's the uh, source of this analysis. All right. So the good thing about this analysis is when you optimize for, you know, four game weeks before the wildcard and then, you know, more, much more game weeks after wildcard, you are actually able to see the, the impact of the fixture changes a little bit better. Okay. And for this analysis, he used 
all the game weeks from game week 9 to game week 20. So all the possible wildcard um, game weeks. I mean, obviously, like you can you can use your wildcard even earlier than this, but this is what the uh, study captured. And okay. I know that wildcard nine is something people talk a lot, but in this study, game uh, wildcard ten comes a little bit better than wildcard nine. All right. So game week ten is better, uh, but even better is game week seventeen and eighteen. And mm. I think in a subsequent experiment, he showed that game week 18 wildcard is actually, you know, one of the best. So, okay. but game week 18 is too far <laughs> from now and people have, you know, they need to do some changes. For yeah. close term, game week 10 or 9 is a good game week to wildcard. If, if you are asking about, you know, just a general idea. And... Yeah. If you can hold, there are some better opportunities, as I see it, from this analysis. But um, I'm planning to run my own experiments uh, just yeah. to see, you know, how about my own team. But also, right. I will try to also make a generic analysis. But I think this is amazing. I mean, we, we are able to see that there are good opportunities far in the future. But mm -hmm. if you can't wait that long, I mean... We have still we have some good options in game week nine and ten. Yeah. Yeah, I was just looking at it. So week eighteen, that's December twenty-three, so that's Christmas. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's still quite uh far ahead. But indeed, I mean if you can wait till that long, if you if your team is still good, then you know, adapt at that time it uh, it can put you in a good position to attack uh the second half of the season. So do you already have for yourself an idea of the wildcard plan or is that that will depend on your analysis? I am kind of waiting for a disaster to happen so that I will <laughs> be forced to use it. I don't want to yeah. use it too early and then find myself no. in a position that I need to, you know, take a hit. It doesn't happen, you know, that often, but still like um especially now with the you know, as as we mentioned with Son for example, playing in a better position, potentially mm -hmm. getting higher points, yeah. it will impact his projected points significantly. Yeah. And when it yeah. when it happens, if I want to go for him, for example, Mado will tell me that you need to do these changes so that you can you can get Son. That's the point probably I will use my wildcard, for example. I mean I'm not saying that I will use it early, but I will probably keep it for a point in time. Where there will be significant changes to projected points that you know it will be useful for me. I don't yeah. think that we can, you know, make a plan like even here, like even we know that the game week eighteen is the optimal week to wildcard. I mean, that's probably not I will do. <laughs> I will probably keep yeah. my wildcard until then and then well see at any point, if I will need to use it so that I can get a significant advantage. Indeed. But yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, game week 9 or 10 looks good, but I will I will try to keep my wildcard longer. Yeah. Every, every season yeah. I say it and then I use it already, but yeah, I will try yeah. to keep it this time. Yeah, yeah, and stay flexible. Indeed. And how about you? Are you... Yeah, similar. I, I will try to hold on to it as long as possible. I think it's it's really a valuable chip. 
And I think the thing with wildcard is that, you know, you see some people wildcarding now and then being really happy with, with their scores. And that's, of course, great. You can use your wildcard to attack the next game weeks. But to your point, you never know what can still happen, you know. In, in four or five game weeks time, uh, a lot of things can, could have changed or can change. And yeah, you, you might want to use your wildcard then. So personally, I think it's still a bit early. I wouldn't do it now. Um, you know, the season is long, 38 game weeks. Um, I'll try to keep it at least until game week 10. Um, but maybe even longer if I can. Um, for example, just before December is also what I sometimes like to do because December is a busy month with, yeah. with all the, the games during the, the festive season. So there's also a good period to look at the fixtures and, and target with your wild cards. But yeah, as always, it's very much team dependent. If your team needs a lot of fixing, then it might be best to use it now. Um, but also at the same time, also, as many people also say, you also said it earlier, don't worry too much about your rank at this stage. Of course, it's nice if you are in a good position, but it's still very much early days. The differences are not that big. So if you have a low rank, you know, don't feel forced to use your wild card. I would say uh, you might still need it later. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. All right, cool. We covered that one. And I think, as you said, you will do some more analysis, which you mm -hmm. probably will be sharing on uh, on Twitter or otherwise we can come back on it next week. Um, and let's move to another question. We received it from Eric Nas Onstad, uh, who is asking about the model's preference for Newcastle defenders. I think we saw that also in the optimal team last week. There were three Newcastle defenders in the optimal team. Yeah, of course, we will see next week if anything changed. But in general, I think the data is still quite uh, favoring the Newcastle defense, even though so far this season uh, they didn't look too stable. So, yeah, what do you make of that, Sir Top? Should we still put faith in the Newcastle defense? So, yeah, I was checking the probability data from FBI review on this. So even though we kind of think that the Newcastle didn't, you know, have the clean sheets in the past, like, you know, past few months, and so that they didn't look as good. But for game week, like, well, for future game weeks, their clean sheet probabilities are high, actually. Yeah. So, for example, for next game week, it is uh, around almost like 40%. And then for game week six against uh, Sheffield, it is 40, 41%. Sorry. Yeah, 41%. And in game week seven, it is 44%. And in game week nine, they have the cl highest clean sheet probability with 42%. And so this is just, you know, for future game weeks. But there, there was this uh, visualization shared by FBL Chase, which shows also the non-penalty XG conceded in Premier League for the rolling 12 games average. And yeah. which is adjusted for the schedule difficulty. Which shows that Newcastle is actually one of the best teams in the league. So we have Crystal Palace and then Manchester City and then Aston Villa, then Newcastle. So even mm. though Newcastle were missing their, you know, clean getting clean sheets, they are still in a good position in terms of, you know, how how much XG they concede. So which gives me more confidence in having triple Newcastle. It is, in my opinion, if people are scared because of the fact that they didn't have a clean sheet, 
recently so that they will avoid Newcastle defenders. That's actually good for analytics managers, in my opinion, because I yeah. think they will get clean sheet in this period, probably multiple clean sheets. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. And I think um, we also shouldn't forget that they had some pretty tough fixtures. Yeah. Looking at it now, you know, they started against Villa, um, then City, Liverpool and Brighton. So, you know, those are some of the most attacking teams in the league, I would say. And um, yeah, they didn't concede too many goals, but in each game they conceded at least one. So, yeah, no clean sheets yet. But again, against four pretty strong teams. And I think the next game against Brentford could be a little bit tough again. Mm-hmm. Uh, could be, you know, it's maybe a different level than what the teams they played against so far. But also, Brentford is a good uh, attacking uh, unit, let's say. Mm-hmm. And then they face Sheffield and Burnley. So then it gets a bit more interesting. And I think from those games, we can see uh, how reliable, let's say, the defense will be against lower ranked teams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I think from that perspective, uh, we could still rely on Newcastle for the future game weeks. Personally, I, I'm i still, I'm just a bit wondering if I should go for a trip here because then, you know, it's six and a half million. Uh, we know that he also has a lot of uh, routes to attacking uh, points. Yeah. Um, so that's, of course, why we should go for him. But uh, if, if we have a bit of doubt on Newcastle now, then it feels maybe a bit uh, wrong or, you know, you don't feel too confident to also invest extra money there. Yeah. So that, that could be another decision point. Because there's also, of course, Botman, even though he's, he was injured now, uh, let's see how that develops. And and there's also Shower, who's quite mm-hmm. interesting. So mm-hmm. a few options to look at. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay, good. We'll come back on this also next week when we look at uh, game week five in a bit more detail. Yes. Um, For the next question, let's stick a little bit to the defensive area of the teams. But then by looking at the goalkeepers, we have a question from uh, Roberto Hollis, uh, who has Onana, same like me. (laughs) Welcome to the club. (laughs) Uh, and of course so far we didn't have too much joy even though the third game week was good Uh, so he's wondering now if if it's if it's worthwhile to spend a free transfer or maybe even a minus four on onana and that made me think you know maybe we should look at the top goalkeepers uh, based on the data well well First of all, let me ask you, like, what are you thinking? Do you think you will sell Onana in the close term? Um, no, I don't think so. Even though <laughs> it has been a bit frustrating, you know, zero points from a goalkeeper in, in two consecutive weeks. It's uh, it's not great. But I think I'll stay patient. Um, mm-hmm. The fixtures do look quite good for United going yeah. forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I'll give it a few more weeks and I'll I'll assess it uh, again. I mean, you know, I was positive about Onana in game week one, even though he was a bit lucky then. And we said it as well against the against Wolves. He had nine points. I was quite happy, and uh, I remember that I said that with Onana, uh, you can have uh, clean sheet points, but you can also have a bit more than that, save points. But he's also very much involved in in the gameplay. So, um, yeah, in game week two, three, and four. We didn't see that too much in terms of point returns. But for me, it's too early to give up. Um, so I'll, I'll stick to it. And that's also because I don't see another much better option so far. Yeah. But maybe you will 
tell me there is someone now. So to be honest, I checked next uh, eight game weeks uh, of yeah. you know fixtures, and I used FBI reviews projections on this to see which yeah. goalkeepers comes on top. And yeah. so we have Ellison as the first, the, the best goalkeeper in terms of total projected points. Yep. And then we have Pop, as we you know constantly talk about this, but Newcastle has good defensive fixtures. And then we yeah. have Onana. So I don't think there is any goalkeeper you can go from Onana unless you are trying to maybe release some funds. But it doesn't even make sense from that perspective because he's only 5 million. So yeah. if I had Onana at this point, I would have kept him because there are much more important transfers that you can do to your right. like defense or midfield or forward. That goalkeeper is hardly a concern in my opinion. And yeah. like even if he doesn't keep um like clean sheets as as weird as it sounds, it only makes a four point difference, right? It's either like two or six, I mean right. like, obviously excluding number of goals conceded or like bonus yeah. save points. Yeah. Um I don't think there is anyone else you can go from Onana and he's he's pretty good with the projections. But yeah, I mean that's that's my opinion. I, I'm actually a little bit surprised. I mean, I understand that, you know, based on first few game weeks, people get frustrated and they want to sell. I I usually get the same urge about my players. Like if they blank, yeah. I'm like I'm losing my patience already. Yeah. But then you check the fixtures and you you realize that you bought this player for a long term. Like you check the data. Yeah. Uh, like Indeed. for maybe twelve game weeks or sixteen game right. weeks. That's why you picked him. So it doesn't make right. sense to sell him just after like four game weeks, is my opinion. No. No, I agree. And I think maybe one goalkeeper we should also keep an eye on is uh, Vicario from Spurs. Mm -hmm. Maybe not too many people considered him as he was new also to the league. Let me see, he's owned by 5%. So far, uh, Spurs looked quite good in defense, even though last game week they conceded two goals. But before that, they had two clean sheets. <laughs> And also their fixtures look uh, pretty good. Um, so yeah. I don't see him yet in your chart. But Yeah, maybe, he's actually maybe. sixth. He's right oh, after he's Martinez. Okay. And all right. his projections for this game week is actually the highest among all these like six goalkeepers. It's 4.22. Um, okay. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, they face it's, it's Sheffield at home. Yeah. So that's probably why. But after yeah. that, they play against Arsenal and Liverpool. So that could be a bit <laughs> Yeah, some challenging yeah. fixtures. But... Yeah. Despite that, I mean, despite the difficult fixtures, he appears in this. This uh, yeah, this is something. Better. Okay, good, good to know. And so that gives a little bit of hope for us Onana owners. Let's not give up yet, <laughs> um, and hopefully he will return the points for us next week. All right. Well, I think that's it for today. It's a bit of a different format. We covered some Q and A, which I thought was quite fun to do. Was there anything <laughs> else you wanted to cover, sort of? I don't think so. So we will okay. come back next week uh, yes. with a regular episode. But I I enjoyed the QA format. We haven't done this in a while. No. And uh, it's nice to get some questions again. So thanks for the people who submitted their questions. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll just take a look again at our mini league. So currently we have 234 teams. It went up again. That's nice. And you can still join it via code 0JSDLA. Uh, the leaders stayed the same. 
congrats to Alex Wilmot with his team IU Not Entertained. And he had a really good game week, different uh, than us. He scored 97 points, bringing his total now to 311 points. So that's pretty, uh, pretty amazing. That's an amazing game week I, result. <laughs> yeah, I took a quick look at his team. He owns Son, so that's 20 points, which we didn't have. Uh, and he also had Archer, so maybe that oh, was his first okay. up, or maybe he had him in the team already, but Archer had 12 points, so uh, that's, that's well done. Uh, Alex. Then uh, we have a new number two, it's Duncan Gacheru with his team Kane on a Plane, so that's, <laughs> uh, that's a nice name as well. He had the same game week score of 97 points, and he is on 300 points in total. And the number three is the same as last week, HP Van Doren uh, with his team Torn Fighters. Uh, he had 87 points and is on 299 points in total. So well done, everyone, and uh, good luck also to the rest of you. And uh, let's keep challenging uh, that with those uh, top three guys. All right, this was FPL Optimized Podcast, episode number 56. Thanks for listening. Enjoy all the international games. As you could see, I'm wearing the Dutch shirt. The oh, one I was going the, to ask yeah, you. Yeah. You didn't ask. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> does one, it have a number? No, no number. It's the one from the 98 World Cup. You might remember it from oh. the amazing uh, Dennis Bergkamp goal in Marseille against Argentina. I think uh, everybody from the Netherlands, from my generation at least, uh, still can dream about that goal, a beautiful goal in, in, in the quarterfinals. But then uh, we lost in the semis against yeah. Brazil. Actually, yeah, 98 so, was the first World Cup I have watched. And okay. I was cheering for Netherlands, actually, because oh, I like nice. the color <laughs> yeah. as a kid. Yeah, yeah, that was a nice World Cup in France. Yeah, good memories. If I remember correctly, right. David scored a really nice goal that I still remember. Oh, that could be. That doesn't ring a bell right away. For me, it's just Burkamp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> no, kidding. And uh, yeah, the Netherlands will play against Greece and Ireland. And we haven't done too well so far. So uh, let's hope we will do better this time. But, uh, you know... For uh, for whoever you're rooting uh, for your national countries, of course, good luck. Enjoy the international break. And I would say also enjoy a relaxing weekend as we don't have to look at all the Premier League scores all the time. We'll be back with a regular episode next week, as Sirtop mentioned as well. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you'll get notified when the next episode is released. And you can also follow us on X. For Sirtop, it's at Sirtop Bilal. And for me, it's at Belfi BB. And as of this season, you can also find us on YouTube. Sirtop, over to you. Until next time, stay curious and stay analytical. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you.